Well, welcome to our third season of Knowledge Cast. If you're a regular listener, we're certainly glad to have you back with us again. And if you're a first-time listener, welcome. And, and we hope that you enjoy today's podcast and will join us again next week. we got a great list of uh, guests that are scheduled for our third season. And you can read about them by going to jackwilliams.com and scrolling down to the podcast section. Well, today's guest is Jeff Saturday. We're thrilled to have Jeff with us. He's a four-year letter winner in North Carolina playing for Coach Mac Brown, and he served as captain both his junior and his senior years there. He went undrafted in the NFL primarily because he just Jeff didn't fit the, the size profile that the pros were looking for for linemen, but uh, he turned around and proved the NFL scouts wrong by having a long and very successful NFL career. He was selected to six Pro Bowls, uh, was four-time All-Pro, and was starting center for 12 years with the Indianapolis Colts, winning a Super Bowl with the Colts in 2007. And then Jeff, uh, Jeff was later inducted into the Colts Ring of Honor in 2015. After retiring from pro football, Jeff began a new career in the media, and you can t- currently see Jeff uh, as one of the key on-air talents with NFL Live and ESPN Sports Center. Well, Jeff, um, you know, congratulations on such a, an outstanding collegiate and professional career. You know, but what most people don't realize is after you became an undrafted free agent and got cut, you then went from being an employee of an electrical supply store to a Super Bowl winner. Share with us how that story un- uh, unfolded. Oh, yeah. I appreciate it. Thanks again for having me, man. Look forward to uh, to spending some time with you today. So as I uh, as I think back, so, you know, I, I'm, I'm one of those guys who's ranked pretty high coming out of college. I think I was ranked Mel Kuyper, you know, who does the, the draft analysis had ranked me, I think, third center coming out. And then as you, you you said it, I didn't get drafted the entire time. So fast forward, I have to go get a job. And so as I'm looking for, for a job uh, around Chapel Hill, Raleigh, Durham area, uh, I, I end up meeting a guy from Duke, KD Kennedy, who uh, is, is a uh, owns electric supply company of North Carolina. So I start working from him. So I'm humble quickly, you know, not only do I not not make it to the NFL, I'm working for a dookie. So for a guy from Carolina, I'm getting the the, the double whammy. You know what I mean? It it doesn't get more extreme than that. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. But but in all all sincerity, my roommate in college, Nate Hobgood Chittick, actually uh, went to the New York Giants undrafted. And as the season progressed, the Colts needed defensive line help. So in the NFL, if you get pulled from the practice squad and go to the active squad, uh, you're guaranteed three, uh, three games active roster. So Nate gets to Indianapolis, and Bill Poling, who's the general manager at the time, uh, gives a speech about, you know, an open door policy. Anybody can come in and visit me anytime. You know, my door's always open. Well, we know that usually means for captains and the Peyton Mannings of the world, right? right. That doesn't mean a right. guy who's like, you know, in 53-man roster, like Nate's 53 and a half, right? He's barely hanging on to the bottom rung. <laughs> but, but he decides to go in and talk to Bill Polian and said, uh, Mr. Polian, you know, I've been on two different teams. I'm telling you, my, my roommate in college is better than any of the centers that I've played. And uh, Bill was with the Carolina Panthers uh, for some time when I was in Chapel Hill. So he had scouted me. Uh, later on, he goes to tell me that, that he wanted me, but the scouts uh, talked him out of it. But we know Bill ain't getting talked out yeah. anyway. You know, he, he decided <laughs> against that. But he said, I'll give him a shot. And, uh they gave me an opportunity there in Indianapolis 
and and uh, Howard Mudd, who's the offensive line coach and, and who has since passed. But uh, I remember him telling me, man, if you do it my way, uh, you have a real shot. And so, uh, uh, you know, he taught me the techniques, taught me the fundamentals he wanted. I did them, executed them, and uh, the rest is history. You, you, you said it, man. It was just um, I, I, I go back and I tell people, you know, very few people in your life really want the best for you. Nate was one of those people like, you know, that he was so unselfish that he would go uh, and stand in the gap for me and say, Hey, Mr. Polian, I'd love for you to give my, my buddy a chance. You, you never knowing what Bill's response was going to be, but willing to take that chance. Uh, um, and man, I watched Nate win a Super Bowl with the Rams and have a great NFL career in, in his own right. Uh, but man, so grateful for that opportunity and just the way God orchestrated in all honesty to make this happen to me was just, uh, j just, a, just a miracle. Well, yeah, I think there's a lot of similarities, uh, with you and, and, uh, uh, David Andrews with the, the Patriots, uh, si size wise. And, and, uh, he, he, he wasn't working for a guy from Georgia tech, but, uh, <laughs> but, but, uh, you know, he, he's proved a lot of folks wrong. Um, you know, that, your story is obviously very similar to the popular movie today, uh, American Underdog with Kurt Warner. Let's let's play a little game here. Let's say that they did the Jeff Saturday story. Who would you pick to play you? You're a good-looking guy. you got to get the right guy. Yeah, man, that's a great question. Like, who am I going to Who am I going to get? I'm gonna, I'm going to probably get a guy. Uh, let me see. Let me see. Well, it's got to be a big human being, so that's going to be a problem. There's not a lot of Hollywood stars out there. They're going to be that, able to that eliminates him. Tom Cruise. Yeah, yeah exactly. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say like a Keanu Reeves, you know, some guy like that, man, tough, tough personality, uh, get up there and, and, uh, and let it rip. I've seen him grow a pretty nice beard as well. So I think he could, he could do it, uh, do it that way. But that, that you know, there's not many big, big Hollywood stars. They're built for quarterbacks and receivers, not for real linemen. <laughs> and they got that mindset too. That's a pretty good choice being put on the spot. That's a good one. I like that. Um, well, you know, the NFL game has changed uh, over the years. We had Bill Curry uh, on our program last spring, and he, he described the role of a center in his day as someone who snapped the ball and got run over slowly. Uh, I'd never heard, never heard that phrase before, but uh, that's not the case today. You know, uh, the centers are required to do a lot more than in the past. Got to execute all kind of blocks. Got to make sure all the linemen are all on the same page. And rumor has it, uh, through my research team, that in 2007, in the AFL championship game against the Patriots, Jeff Saturday made a strategic block that has become known in some people's mind as the block. Describe <laughs> that game and, and the play that I'm talking about. Oh, man. So, so first, I'm going to start, start with Bill Curry. And what a beautiful description of center. And, and, and what's funny is, so Howard Mudd, I said before, was my offensive line coach. I played against the guy, Chester McLaughlin, my first year starting as center. And he looked at me and he said, Saturday, I'm going to church up the language here. He said, Saturday, get your butt kicked with dignity, son. And so, so there's <laughs> the truth to what he's saying. Uh, but the position has definitely evolved some. You know, we are in charge of a great deal. Uh, but but in, in reference to the block, um, it's funny. It, Ryan Lilja, who was my left guard in the Super Bowl championship year, he actually was jokingly saying that. And then Peyton, you know, Peyton took it and ran to the media about it right afterwards. And so it got a significant amount of attention 
mention being called the block, but it was uh, it w- honestly was the best block of my of my NFL career. And um, we had we were playing uh, Satan's team, uh, also known as New England Patriots. Right. Championship game. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But man, what wars we had uh, amongst each other. But we were playing them in the AFC Championship game, and it's our final drive down offensively, and we get inside the red zone. And uh, so that's inside the five yard line. And so I, I, we, we decided we're going to have to run the ball. And we had put a run in that was right up the gut, the A gap to, to my right. So that means the gap that's closest to my right foot, we're going to run in there. And so when we get to the line of scrimmage, uh, the Patriots were in, a, were in a goal line defense. And Vince Wilfork happened to be at that gap. And we had expected him to be head up, but instead he had offset, which meant he moved to my right about a half a yard. And so uh, that makes the block much more difficult in all honesty for what we were trying to do. And I can still remember like the, the, the nervousness in my bone and I'm scared, you know, I'm thinking, man, we have a chance to go to the Super Bowl. You know, it's, it's, it's right here. This is kind of a one-on-one block. We're going to have to make it happen. And I got him head up. And so uh, the, 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 I snapped the ball. And when I snapped the ball, I remember thinking, man, you got to get your left ear hole across the nose to the nose guard, which we call it across the bow. And I got to get in there and really seat myself in the block. And I remember when I hit him, Jack, and I remember feeling his shoulders. And this is a huge human being. Now, this dude's, you know, 350 every bit of it. He plays yep. low. You know, he's an all-pro potential Hall of Famer as well. This ain't like this is some slappy. This is a for real dude. And uh, so I remember I hit Will Fork, and I remember feeling his shoulders pop up and me thinking, oh, my God, like I got, I, you know, this is a good, this is a great start. And I started leverage. Yeah, exactly. My leverage is under him. I feel my hips sink underneath him. And so now his his shoulders are above my shoulders and I can kind of look up and see underneath his mask. And I remember thinking to myself, man, you better drive your legs until you hear a whistle, like just driving. So I start driving, 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 and uh, I can feel him having to hop to try to stay in front of me. And then we kind of get get uh, get kind of to a yard or so to the right. And I feel him start to teeter over and I start finishing and man, I finish him down and I feel his back hit the ground and me on top of him. I hear the crowd go crazy. And uh, it, it was an, an exhilarating feeling from going from scared to death, basically, to, you know, we just scored a touchdown to, to, to give ourselves a chance to go to the Super Bowl. And I remember the following Monday, we come in for film, the offensive line. And so we all load up and we're all going to do our film study, which is, you know, every play, you have to do a check or minus on what you did. And Howard Mudd looks at it and said, men, it's going to be the shortest film session of, of your career. He said, we all sit down. He said, we're going to show this one play. And he brings up that play. He says, Saturday, it's the greatest block of your career. You couldn't have done it any better. He hits play. We watched the play. And listen, the two guards beside me had done just as good as I did. They had moved. They had what we call it score with your man, moving their defensive linemen into the end zone. And everybody had done it from tight end to our guards and tackles. And uh, he showed one play. He said, man, you can't do any better than this. You deserve to win. Go home. Let's get ready for the Super Bowl. Unbelievable, oh. Jack. It don't get no better. I, I've never heard of a meeting like that. If I if I were in your position and I saw uh, Wilfolk lined up there, I think I'd have tapped Peyton and said, can we go back and talk That's about this a little bit? Exactly. <laughs> a little time out. Hey, yeah. man, check, check. Let's give something. <laughs> well, speaking of Peyton, you, you played the majority of your career with him, and uh, I'm sure, you know, everybody wants to know what, what it's like playing with Peyton. And I'm, 
I want to do the same, but I want to do it with a twist. Uh, there's a lot been told about Peyton. He's a very public person, but tell us something about him that, that most people might not know or find interesting. Ooh. Uh, first of all, uh, two, two things I would say really stand out about Peyton. One is he has never asked anybody to do something. <clears throat> Excuse me. Peyton has never asked anyone to do something that he hasn't done himself or will do. And I remember early on in my career, you know, we're, we're sitting down and the, the center and the quarterback are in charge of um, blitz protection. So we work the entire week together to put together, with, if the team is going to give us a bunch of blitzes, how are we going to decide to protect it? Are we going to block it? Is he going to throw hot? So we would have these constant conversations and pass notes back and forth throughout the week to make sure that we were on the same page. And then as we would have practices, we would do those things. And I remember he would ask me, Saturday, will you watch, you know, this game, this game, this game, tell me what you're thinking, blah, blah, blah. And I can remember saying, hey, yeah, you know, on on play 18 of, oh, yeah, I remember. Safety comes down, climbs down, linebacker moves. I mean, he had watched everything he had asked me to watch. And he had done all the work in preparation. And I remember thinking to myself, man, this is the first pick of the draft. He's going to be a Hall of Famer. The guy's absolutely insanely talented, but he outworks me. He gets to it before I get to it. And and I was so impressed by that. And I tell people, man, like all the things that he has, this dude has worked for. Like, don't believe the hype because his dad played in the NFL or, you know, people talk about it's Manning royalty or whatever. Man, this guy, he is a workhorse. Like, he is not afraid to put the time, energy, and effort in. And he's no different. I tell people all the time, we, you know, we hunt and fish together and we play golf together and all kinds of things. He, his whole life is like that. If he's not good at something, he's going to practice it. His golf game, he's going to practice. His his shooting, I mean, when I ride, because we'll go quail hunting. If he's not on, I'm giving him all kinds of grief, Jack. Now, I'm on him, and that dude will go <laughs> practice. He does not, he'll ask to shoot at the range in between our hunts because he wants to make sure, you know, he he hits the skeet so we go back out like he is a competitor but he is a worker and I absolutely love that about him I don't think people know that about him they see the commercials and all those things he works at all of that because he wants to be the best at whatever he does well it's uh it's evident and he's accomplished I you know I think I mentioned you in a conversation that uh, Tom Moore his coach was my quarterback coach at Tech and when Peyton was in his heyday I I called up Coach Moore and I said, Coach Moore, I said, you've all of a sudden become really a really good coach. <laughs> I said, why didn't you coach me up the way that uh, you coached Peyton? He said, Jack, I just make sure he knows the, what time the, the game is and what time zone we're playing in. <laughs> That's facts right there. I love some Tom Moore. That's true. Uh, well, you've got, the, I think, the distinction of being the only center in the NFL that has both attempted a pass and scored a touchdown. Is that true? How'd that happen? That is facts. Uh, so the, the touchdown was actually in that same AFC game, the championship game uh, that, that, that the block occurred in when I when I put Will Fork down. And so um, it was actually another goal line play. And uh, Dominic Rhodes was running off to our left side and the ball got punched out. And I remember I'm blocking and I see the ball right there at the goal line. And Teddy Bruschi, who's now an ESPN um, analyst with me as well, we both see it simultaneously and go for it. And, and I tell people all the time, you don't want to know what happens underneath the piles. And, 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 you know, like, like it's for real, right? Like we're, we're trying to win these games. So there, there's no holds barred down there. And I remember we both shot for that ball and I grabbed it. 
and uh, kept driving my legs and got that thing in the end zone. Uh, and, and again, it, it sits on my wall. In fact, it's on the wall behind me here. And, and, and uh, it was one of those things that are magical. And, and the funniest part about that, Jack, is I used to tell all the offensive linemen, since I was the center, I was kind of the leader and, you know, lo- loved to talk it up. I would tell them, man, if I ever score a touchdown, man, I'm taking my pads off. I'm going to do the worm. <laughs> like, I'm going to bring some attention. You know, I'm going to do this. And all I did was jump up and down. And I, it took the tight end. Dallas Clark brought me the ball over so I would at least spike it because I had just totally <laughs> lost my mind. Lost, lost I just it. wanted all my guys to come over but it was it was an awesome moment and then the pass you're gonna you're gonna love this so the pass was actually the last play of a game we're losing and it's like we have to go and, and Paige's gonna try to chuck it up and, and and make some kind of you know huge throw down the field and something ball comes out of his hand and like you know it, it like rolls down his arm and, and when you're blocking in the NFL, you can hear like when something good or bad happens, right? Either the roar of the crowd or you hear like kind of the, you know, that part of right. the crowd. So right. I hear that. And so I look back and I see the ball. And so I go over and I grab the ball and I think I'm going to try to run this thing and maybe try to pitch it to somebody. Well, I run about two steps. I think I've separated from the crowd. No, no, I haven't separated from it. They are on my heels. And as I'm getting tackled, I turn and throw that thing over to try to throw it to my buddy, Ryan Dean. And so that was my, uh, that's the infamous uh, O-line pass. But what a thing of beauty, I can assure you. I'm not competing not, with you in that category. <laughs> not, exi- not exactly the greatest form, huh? That's exactly right. Well, I want to... Uh... I want to do something that I think might be interesting for our folks. I want you to educate our audience on the complexity of NFL play calling, line calls, and audible system. I want you to take a play uh, from Coach Dungy's playbook there on offense and call it like it would, Peyton would call it in the huddle with all the terms, and then what you do when you go to the line of scrimmage as a center, and then tell us how the audible system worked with the coach. Okay. Okay, perfect. Yeah, yeah. So, so here I'll give you a, this. This will be a simple one. This won't be super complicated because it it gets real wordy. But I'll start with it. It'll be dice right two eighteen x v z stock uh, y short in. And so, uh, and then they'll say alert thirty four blunt. So it would be dice right two eighteen x v z stock y z short in alert thirty four blunt. Ready, ready, break. So we go to the line of scrimmage. We get up there, and as I approach the line of scrimmage, I'm looking at the defense. So is it a 3-4, which means three down linemen, four linebackers? Is it a 4-3, which are four down linemen, three linebackers? Is it a nickel? Like, what are, what are we getting? And so as I get to the line of scrimmage, I'm calling out what defense they're showing us. And that's by either holding up fingers or making a, you know, making a specific call, 4-4, 5-5, whatever that looks like for that week. And we would change that weekly as you went up. And then I would associate who Mike is. And so what that basically does is that's telling the Mike backer of the defense is the middle player for us. So he is what you call zero. And so all of our plays were based on a numbering system. So if he is zero, anything going to the right of him would be, you know, one, two, three to the right. And then to the left of him is one, two, three to the left, knowing dice right meant we had the tight end on the right side. So our strength of the formation is there. And that 218 meant we're going to run a play action pass. So it's going to look like 18, which was a stretch play to the right. So an outside zone play. And then the, the, the other, the X, the Z, and the Y, those are route combinations that he's telling, you know, those guys what routes, Peyton is telling them what routes he wants to run. So he can tag those or change those accordingly. 
He can give them a nod or an adjustment that he wants them to do something different. And then the alert is telling us if he doesn't like that play, if they have seven guys to the right side of the field and only four to the left side, we know we're out leveraged. And if they're going to bring us a blitz on that side, what, what we call like a sugar blitz, like they're going to try to bring a linebacker late and hit the quarterback before he can let the ball go, we don't have enough guys to block that. So he would apple, and apple meant we're going to run the, the alert which was the alert 34 blunt. And that was an inside zone to blunt meant to the weak side of the formation. So away from the tight end. So as we walked up, you have to think now all this happens in 40 seconds. So there's right, a lot right. going on really quickly. And I will pass the call on to the guards, tackles, tight ends, running backs of who we have. They then know what their responsibilities are. They're making their own calls. And, and but, you know, when you play together, as long as we did, like I was in Indianapolis for 13 years, I could walk to the line of scrimmage and know we're not going to run, you know, this play is we're, we're out leveraged to this play. So we're going to have to move our play back to the weak side. So I would set my calls up knowing we're going to go to the, to the opposite side anyway. And so we had a number of different, uh, different audibles and plays, but we called those alerts because it, it was called check with me's. You could have, you know, four or five different plays, based on our formation. So by the time I'm seven years in, it would say dice right, uh, check with me on one-on-one, ready, break. And we would literally watch the line of scrimmage and we knew out of our right formation with a tight end in line, what plays we had for the week. We didn't need them set anymore. And if we wanted to run to the strength, we knew those plays. If we wanted to run to the weak side, we knew those plays. And, and Peyton would just give us a, a quick apple or an alert and call the play. And that might, and it may sound like this, Jack, Heidi, that meant outside to the strength. You know what I mean? And so it could mean China, which was outside to the weak side of the formation. You know, all those different things. We had all kinds of calls. Uh, it was really a thing of beauty. And we really allowed Peyton to make so many of those calls. Um, and, and I was one of those guys, I studied the game pretty hard. And so I love to be able to be involved in those calls and checks as well. Well, I can't leave this subject without asking you to tell us what does Omaha mean? Uh, so it actually means different things. And it's, it's funny because how much money has been made off of Omaha now, right? I mean, right. He, he has, he has Omaha productions. I mean, this guy has, he has parlayed this thing into, uh, went from some stakes to all of a sudden, this is what this thing was. But for us at the time, it meant actually going opposite inside. Uh, so if we had a strong formation to the right and we wanted to run something to the opposite side inside, that was our Omaha call. When he went to Denver, it actually was identifying Mike. And I think that's why it got so much attention, because he you, you would hear it so often, him saying that Omaha call. Um, and then obviously every week you could switch that thing up and make have some fun with it, get defenses to listen to the tape. Uh, the TV tape copy and then exposed them that they, they were paying too much attention to the call. <laughs> and so there was a lot of, uh, a, a lot of what we call dummy audibles as well. So I had a lot of fun with it. And, and uh, yeah, that Omaha thing has a mind of its own for sure. It's got legs. Well, I, uh, that was good. I, I, I thought that would be interesting for our folks. People have no idea the complexity of, of the play calling and all the prep work that goes into to making something look as smooth as you guys made it look. Let's switch over to uh, what you're doing right now. You know, as soon as you got through your uh, professional career, you you really experienced uh, immediate success and recognition in the in the media side. Tell tell us about what a typical week would be like you. You know, when the NFL season's uh, 
in in play there. What what does your week look like? Yes. So so for me, I, I, uh, the schedule I have kept the last couple years um, has been I will we we watch games on Sunday, and I actually I actually travel Sunday evening. So late Sunday, I'm usually I'm usually traveling late on Sundays. So I'm arriving somewhere around 11 or, or uh, midnight. I'm watching the games on the plane or the, the final game, you know, the, the Sunday night game on the plane, jotting my notes. Uh, 5 a.m. on Monday morning, I'm up. We have uh, we have calls and uh, different radio obligations. We have Sports Center that starts early, and then I have. Uh, NFL Rewind, which is a show that t- takes every game and you basically uh, give the highlights and, and the key factors and the win of that. Um, and then that ends my day. I travel from Connecticut to New York usually. So if I'm in Connecticut doing those shows, I end up having to drive to New York City for the Monday night game. We do the Monday night game there. And then Tuesday morning is very similar. Up at 5 a.m. I'm doing get up. I'm doing first take. I'm doing this just in all the sports centers. Um, and so it's a it's a three day window of 100 miles an hour. Like I, I tell people. all Damn the like time, it. Yeah, it's it's a uh, you know, you're getting you're getting well over your 40 hours in those three days. Rest assured they're getting you know they're getting their their time in. But it's what I love about it is it keeps me in the game without having to be married to the game it, it, from, from a coaching perspective, but it, it requires the same stuff. You know what I mean? Film study, uh, preparation, execution on air, all of those things. And so uh, it, it doesn't feel like you're going to work, you know, other than the travel. I don't love the travel. I tell people I, I miss being with my family, um, you know, for those times, but it's kind of a pattern that they're used to and they travel with me when they're home, they'll go up and they can go watch and that kind of thing, which is a ton of fun. But man, it ain't work when you when you're doing what I'm able to do. I've been blessed. There's no doubt. Well, you do an excellent job on it, and uh, I congratulate you. And uh, you've moved from success in one career to a new one. Uh, well, Jeff, listen, thank you for for taking time out of your hectic schedule, as we just uh, heard about, to spend time with us today. And I also want to thank you personally uh, for being such a positive role model uh, when you were playing. We need a lot more of those today, and continued success in your media career. I appreciate it, Jack. I want to say this while I got you too, man. I, I so, I'm so grateful for what you do here in our community, all the, uh, the leadership uh, and the academy you put on, man, it, it changed lives. I can't tell you how many kids have either played for me when I'm coaching high school or being around these young people, but uh, you're, you're doing the same. The, the, the impact you're making, I hope everybody knows, uh, this is just the tip of the iceberg. Your true work is done behind closed doors, uh, but many men and women, their lives have been impacted for the greater, and our community has been impacted for the greater. So I'm so appreciative of what you've done. So grateful for you having me on your show, man. I wish you the absolute best this season. Well, thanks. Thanks for those kind words. Uh, Well, as we close out another one of our podcasts, I want to thank uh, each of you for making uh, our podcast part of your day. And I want to once again challenge you this week to try to be a positive influence in the lives of others. I look forward to having you back with us again next week. And uh, as we welcome another interesting guest. Hey, before you go, we wanted to let you know about Jack's book called The Question, a guide to answering life's most important question. In this book, Jack shares his personal journey that began in 1993 to determine the values, principles, and beliefs that would guide his life. 
Whether you are a spouse, parent, grandparent, friend, leader, educator, coach, or mentor, Jack's I Believe statements apply to all the roles he has played during his lifetime and can do the same for you. Jack's message applies to all people, ages, and careers. It's an easy read with compelling stories, enjoyable humor, and sincere transparency. The question is now available in ebook and paperback exclusively on Amazon. Go to jackwwilliams.com slash the question to learn more and buy your copy today. Again, thanks for joining us for this episode and join us next week for an all new episode of Knowledge Cast by Ideals.